The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. There we go. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today is a very special guest all the way from the UK. He was formerly of Silver Vision. He is, of course, Mr. James Gallagher. James, welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. I'm, I'm glad to be here and, and thanks for that lovely welcome. So what is going on in your world? What have you been up to? Obviously, Silver Vision's gone, but what have you been up to? Yeah, Silver Vision. I mean, I, I left there. Um, whew, must be you know going on 10, 12 years ago. So yeah, I've been working in the film industry now. So yeah, moved across from DVDs and VHSs that I worked with on Silver Vision, and now more into the movie side of the business. So uh, yeah, it's uh, going well. Just give us a little bit about your background before we kind of delve into Silver Vision and everything going on WB releases and DVD wise and VHS. So just what's your background? Yeah, so um, I grew up in London, still live here, and um, became a WWF fan in, in the 90s with the, the huge, you know, everyone was into Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, all these guys um, got hugely into that in the early 90s. It was a huge, um, massive popularity of in the UK, especially of WWF in the early 90s, got on that train. Um, fell out of it for a year or so, and then back in again in, in the around 96, 97. Um, and yeah, I was a, like a super fan, collected all the magazines, the DVDs, the videos, the toys, everything. And uh, and then actually ended up working for the, the distributor for uh, in the UK and Europe for, for WWE for, for, for video. So obviously that is Silver Vision. How does that come about though? How do you become like, how did you start working there basically? Honestly, like a friend of mine just seen an advert <clears throat> on their, excuse me, on their site, seen an advert on their site that they needed someone to help with the production and that they were kind of like the Coliseum video of the of Europe. And they were looking uh, like for a production coordinator to help with the tapes and manufacturing. And, and, and I thought, well, I've just finished university. I'm looking to work in, in um, production or in film. And I thought, wow, this is like a, a dream job. And um yeah, went up for the interview. It was like an hour and 20 minutes on like three different trains and thought, God, could I ever do this commute every day? But it's uh, the, the love of the business kept me going back day after day, week after week, year after year. That's quite a trip. Jeez, you were very dedicated for sure. Yeah, yeah, about nearly three hours a day um, up and down. But, you know, it's part of the job. You get a uh, free copy of the wwe magazine so i'd read that on my commute back and by the time i got home i'd had the magazine read nice that's a good deal you yeah. know yeah. maybe you could have gotten some more but i mean that that's a pretty good part of the deal if you will <laughs> so when you get there what's the technical position like what are you like what's your job when you first started 
so when I first started, I was just a production assistant, really. So it's mainly um, back in the day, the master tapes. So when there was a pay-per-view, you would get master tapes. And master tapes, if you don't work in the industry, they're, they're kind of like double size of the VHS. So they come, they're like coming from straight from the camera. Uh, and they would arrive in the UK about probably the Monday after a pay-per-view, so the week following. And it was my job really to just... Um, pardon me, separate them all out and distribute them across Europe to do all the dubbing in the different languages, you know, French, Italian, German, Spanish, Portuguese, Dutch, get them all out, get the uh, audio, so the comment, so the commentators in each language. So we'd book the studio for them to do the voiceovers and do the subtitles and then just basically collate all of that and all censorship requirements. And, and also the probably the coolest part of the job is actually quality control. So I literally got paid to watch wrestling that's awesome yeah so when you're doing quality control i mean you're just making sure there's like no curses or mistakes or maybe something happened with the tape at some point yeah it's more about the the, the quality of the tape so i'm not just sitting there watching <clears throat> the matches as if i'm a fan i'm supposed to be sitting there watching it like i am looking for technical issues and glitches so if there's like a, a flash or like there's a pixelation in the picture I would just sit there with my notepad and write down, okay, 18 minutes in when Randy Orton walks out, the, his back is just covered in like pixelation. We need to like re-encode that, bring the quality up to make sure that people don't, you know, send back the DVD. Um, but what's quite funny watching some of the old pay-per-views is that I'd have my list of like technical glitches, but I'd also have a separate li list of like botches. <laughs> like funny things that we spotted yeah. on views. So I'd have my botches list and I'd go to my colleague and go, right, have a look at all these botches and, and people coming into screen when they shouldn't and all that kind of stuff. And that was a load of fun. And we should do that as a side gig just to get through the day. Were you supposed to be editing the botches out or no? That wasn't a part of it. Oh, no, it's part of the show. I mean, like something like Road Warrior Hawk walking in on a backstage interview by accident and then walking yes. up. It's like yeah. part of the official master tape. But still funny when you see stuff like that yeah i love that stuff um sid messing up a promo and jr's like we're live pal <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a classic yeah all that kind it's of like, stuff There's so much of it it's like oh let's start over we're live pal like sid had no idea they were live yeah that stuff yeah. like that is great harmless yeah. but but great i know nowadays when people say botches they go crazy because the the aw or anti-aw sites everybody goes crazy saying oh botches aw botches stuff like that yeah. I know Jericho too was saying there are no botches and different guys were getting on those sites. Yeah. I mean, it's live TV and, and I um, mean, people, we, it's just, it's the way it is. And it, when you look back, it's funny. Um, and it's part of being a fan. There's botches. It's, it's not going to be perfect. It's a fight really, isn't it? It's more realistic if there's kind of mess ups. It's not supposed to be choreographed to perfection. I think Royal Rumble 2005, it was Cena and Batista had that that screw-up where I guess Batista was supposed to win. They both fell at the same time. Vince comes down the entranceway and, boom, tears both yeah. of his quads. I mean, yeah. that is a botch of, of, the, of like all time. Just yeah. that, so funny, so memorable. But, I mean, even though you call that a botch, if you watch the replay of Cena and Batista, they, they could have done that a thousand times and they'd never get that as perfect. Oh, it's, it's like perfection. Yeah, it's nuts yeah. how they did that, yeah. Yeah, because when I watched that, I was like, oh, that was planned because they fell perfectly. Yeah. Yep. Um, the only botch, I suppose, is Vince sitting in gorilla all mm -hmm. day and like not moving and then getting up and running out to the ring and jumping into the ring and blowing his quads. Like that was yeah. just crazy. So funny. But as far as like you're watching the tapes, you're, you know, you're doing some quality control, you're figuring some stuff out. What happens at like what's the process? Like you do that, you give who are you giving the notes to? What do they do with the notes? Like, where does it go from there? So yeah, give the notes and say, yeah, there's issues. Um, it goes back to the the video encode team. So we have we had a team there that would just be ingesting the tapes, encoding it, digitizing it basically, so it's ready for DVD. So you take it off those big master tapes, then it would go into a, a piece of software, it would run through the software. Uh, and they would they would calculate based on how say say DVD could fit a pay per view. They would where they would put if it's a three hour pay per view, you could maybe increase the size of the file. But if it's like a three and a half pay per view, the size of the file quality would slightly be further down. So we just have to be careful not to crush too much content into one disc because it would make the quality worse. 
So that was an issue all the time, trying to make sure we'd fit, crush enough content onto one disc. And that's why you got in later years, some of the WrestleManias, I think it was WrestleMania 2000, where there's like a two disc edition. It's because there was just so much content we got from the master tapes that we had to put it into two discs. So as far as like Silver Vision itself, what year was that that you started with them? Um, I, I think I started in 2006. Um, but of course, the company was running from like 88. Uh, so I knew of Silver Vision because I used to get the the Mega Mail catalogs. So in the UK, these are pretty popular, like three or four times a year. You would get these catalogs directly to your house, which would have all the upcoming home videos in there. Um, and I would order them from there. Um, and yeah, so I was very aware of, of Silver Vision um, before I started. And then, of course, I learned more of the behind the scenes aspects of how the company has run their relationship with WWE and all that kind of stuff when I worked there. How did they get that relationship with WWE? Like you, like you said, started in 88 with Silver yeah. Vision. So they're basically yeah. like the Coliseum counterpart there. So how does, you know how they, that whole relationship started? Yeah, I think so. I think the founder of Silver Vision went to a wrestling show in the States and he, um, I think he was distributing um, music or his brother was distributing music at the time. And he just made a comment to say that, you know, this would, this would do great in the UK. If we had, we, if we could distribute at the time, Coliseum was, was just doing the U S market. And uh, yeah, apparently the guy in front of him was actually um, working for WWF at the time and said, you know, you know, here's my business card. If you want to pitch for the business, for the international business, give me a call. And um, yeah, meetings and meetings and calls later, they they formed it, I think, in, in, in early around 89. Um, and yeah, they secured the license for the UK market. And the actual license for the, for the Euro European market was 23 years, I think, in total, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is probably the longest relationship WWE have had with any licensee. So, you know, THQ, 2K, Tops, Panini, any of these guys, no one worked with WWE for 23 years solid. So it's a re really long time and, and great relationships were, were formed over that time. With that relationship and, and then doing that, before Silver Vision, WWE didn't have international licensing as far as VHS tapes and stuff? No, it did not. I mean, it wasn't big here and it was a bit slow. The boom was a bit slower here. Um, Sky TV picked up. Um, uh, Basically, on the Sky Movies channel, there was there was just some wrestling on there in the late 80s. And then cable TV was very slow to pick up here. It was only until the late 80s. And that's when WWF really started building, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And around that time, there wasn't really any licensees. I think there was a, a card manufacturer and Silvervision, and that was it. Sky, Silvervision, and, and those guys, and that was it. Uh, Coliseum here. I mean, Coliseum was huge here, especially you know the eighties. Yeah. Was I know they had some great stuff going on in the nineties, but I mean, in the eighties, that was the big boom and the big you know the big clam case, uh, uh, clam shells. I guess you can call them cases. I actually have one right here yeah. of the uh, of the big event. You know, like the awesome uh, the awesome clamshell big big time case holders here for the VHS. It's funny to think like wow, eighty eight, eighty nine. Like they missed out on some years there. Yeah, yeah, they did. But I mean, the business didn't really peak until we were getting closer to um, 91, 92. Uh, of course, you know, selling out Wembley Stadium, SummerSlam 92 was really the peak. You know, that card sold out without even announcing anyone on the card. You know, I don't even know if people were expecting Hulk Hogan at that time or not. But despite him not being on the card, people didn't seem to, to care. Like they were they were so into it. It's funny. I was talking to my buddy about it the other day. I was like, "Man, that card really could have used Hogan, but it still sold eighty-two thousand. <laughs> it's like maybe it didn't. You know, it yeah. was just WWF was so hot in in England. Yeah. It was like didn't matter. Yeah, didn't matter. It, I mean, people talk about oh, you know, Brett and Davey, they sold out Wembley Stadium. Well, not really. <laughs> they 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 were the main event, but that those tickets were already pre-sold. Yeah, Savage Warrior kind of was the headliner but really we didn't find that out like you said till much later so i mean it, it's great and those guys are great and it, it was a great show but it the fans were clamoring for so much wwf that they sold it out before they even knew the card which is amazing yeah and um, it's something similar to a degree uh, this time around we've got the first ever uk pay-per-view 
um, Clash at the Castle coming up there in about you know five or six weeks, and you know that's that's sold sixty thousand, and there's not one match announced for this, and it's in Cardiff, which is you know harder to get to for Europe for people in Europe, so um, still big here, still still really strong. I guess it's going to be true McIntyre against Roman Reigns, but that hasn't been announced yet. I'm just you know you're just going to kind of have to guess and re realize what's going on in the TV shows. But is yeah. that one of those things where it's like the fans were clamoring for it and they had to do the show or was it one of the things where like, Oh, WWE just wants to expand the market and let's see how, how, you know, how, how it goes basically. Yeah. I think um, Drew himself behind the scenes from what I heard has been pushing for this for, for years to do a stadium show in the UK. And I think um, Nick Khan has also been thinking that they can make more money doing stadium shows. Um, after switching money in the bank out of a stadium show back into an arena, maybe they're going to rethink that. But maybe not in the UK. If they've sold sixty thousand tickets, then you know seventy-one thousand capacity, they they could they could sell out or come close to it. It's weird to do a pay per view in a stadium the same night the UFC down the street has a big pay per view on. So it's one of those things where it's like you got to realize Vegas. I mean, you, you know, like SummerSlam, very smart. I mean, you kind of own the, the town, the weekend, the night, every the year before. Mm-hmm. Money in the Bank, that was not well thought out. I, I know, like, the thought, like, oh, we could do it. Not smart with UFC in town. I know they sold out to the smaller venue, but still, mm-hmm. you're not going to sell out a stadium UFC having a pay per view that night. No, you're right. So Clash of the Castle, you're going to be going. I am indeed. Yeah, looking forward to that. It's Good seats. Be, yeah, I mean, well, the seats were incredibly expensive um, when they first went on sale. Um, so I was, you know, one of those guys just sitting, hitting refresh on the Ticketmaster site trying to get cheaper seats, but ended up getting some good seats. And, yeah, there's a whole crew of us going, and we haven't been to a show in years, so we're really looking forward to it. Nice. Funny, my buddy always does like the ticket calculations and he's like obsessed with like that kind of stuff. And he was saying like they release tickets over there way higher money value, like way higher than he thought they were going to. I guess that was the general consensus amongst you guys, too, that you were thinking like, man, these tickets are a little high here. Like they could have lowered them a bit and sold more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they'll they'll learn from that. And if they go again, uh, I think it's just pricing out families i mean wwe is is a is younger skewing i think in the uk and um, there's a lot of younger kids that go to shows and you know if you bring two or three kids to this it's it's really really expensive especially hotels accommodation and trains to get to cardiff which is in another country it's in wales you know it's not in england so uh but yeah they seem to they seem to have um, sold it more than i thought they would so fair play to them just going back to Silver Vision, I'm always curious about this. WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, comes in and they kind of, you know, they can't do the WWF symbol anymore, and they they killed that off, and you know, WWE lost to a bunch of pandas technically, and you know, all that all that stuff. You hear, how come it wasn't affected in the UK? It didn't affect Silver Vision. So um, <clears throat> THQ that were releasing the video games back then, they there was a video game. I think we're talking 2002, right? Mid 2002. Um, they had a game that come that had just come out at the end of 2001, which had the Scratch logo all over it. So this, when this ruling came through with the World Wildlife Fund, they were no longer able to sell this game. So they went to the courts and said, "Well, hold on a minute. You know, this this game had a lifespan on in the market for a whole year, and you're telling us in May, June 20, 2002 that we can't sell this game anymore." So they appealed to the courts in the UK, and the courts in the UK as far as I understand it, said that as long as you don't use a WWF scratch logo on any of the outside packaging, um, uh, that's fine. You can, you can, if, as long as you repackage this game and as long as outside what you're selling to the consumer, the consumer doesn't see WWF and thus it won't be confused with the World Wildlife Fund, right. um, they can sell it. So um, Silvision were thinking, well, hold on a minute. We have a whole catalog of WWF um master tapes if we just tag this with wwe all around the packaging just the same way thq are doing then we can release the back at the catalog on the tag classics range so as far as i'm concerned that is what i've heard is the reason why in the uk the court ruling said that uh, you can continue to use your original footage and monetize that as long as there's no reference to wwf on any of the packaging so the tag classics then became cut quite you know um 
infamous internationally that the UK yeah. were getting these uncut, unblurred original videos. I mean, did you from where you were? Did you, did you hear about this? Yes, I remember thinking, like, how the hell are they getting this great content? We're getting blurred all over the place. Like, it literally was ruining uh, the shows. And you guys were like pristine. So sometimes you go to like YouTube or whatever, and they'd have like this is the UK version, and you're like zoomed in on it because like, yes, good quality, better, you know, better stuff. Like, no blurs, no, no nonsense. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was the WrestleMania anthology they brought up, which was just basically unwatchable. Yep. From like WrestleMania 14 onwards, it was just it was awful. And then if you just collected the tag classics in the double sets, the WrestleMania is on there. And they had the, the original music. Dusty Rose didn't come out to like Wheel of Fortune or whatever it was he came out in that set. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it became, we were getting orders from across Europe. And we also used to get orders from the U.S. as well because they, you know, people were finding out about this, willing to pay the extra shipping costs. Um, the issue we had was that we were basing the content on original master tapes. So the original master tape, as I mentioned earlier, say for like um wrestlemania 6 that would have arrived in the library in the middle of 1990 so for us to release and, and what we were supposed to do was we were supposed to send those master tapes back to wwe right and and we did do that when the when the agreement with wwe finished in 2012 but i think originally they were expecting us to ship these master tapes back you know, on a quarterly basis or whatever, we didn't. And that was the smartest thing I think that Silver Vision ever did is they kept a warehouse of every single master tape. So when it came to the fact that in 2002 when the, the ruling came out and the name change, I think the the, the actual line uh, that Silver Vision had went down to six titles. That was it. There's only six titles in the line. So then the Tag Classics saved the home video market here because we can go into the catalog so we were pulling out master tapes that were you know 10 15 20 years old the risk with that is it's been sat in a warehouse for 20 years what is the actual state of the content is it good enough so it was always a worry when i'd pull one of these old titles out from the library give it to our video guy and say ingest that encode that and it turns out that it's like oh it's got water damage on it or it's oh it's not tracking correctly or it's got issues or uh, you know there were some titles that we wanted to re-release on tag classics but we weren't able to because the tape wasn't good enough um and then there's, there's other ones where you used to have the countdowns as well to these pay-per-views like todd pettengale would do these like half an hour one hour countdown stuff yep. and we also get these tapes as well and then there were afternoons me down in the warehouse digging around for these countdown videos because i think if you weren't a fan you wouldn't care but for me if that was on the vhs release i'm finding this tape and if it takes me five hours right. i'm gonna get i'm gonna get my hands in these get dirty find this 25 year old tape and i'm gonna get it on the tag classic so that was a benefit of being a fan and also working there that if i got this product would i like this product or not so but yeah the tag classes were fantastic and even now if you go on ebay some of them are selling for crazy money so i kind of wish i did i wish i bought every single one myself sadly i don't have all the finished copies of them all but that's a, that's a regret <laughs> sometimes though when you get it off ebay you realize sometimes you don't have the right code you know to play it in your player so you got to yeah. get the universal player you know whatever you got to get the different dvd that's player right. yeah you need to get the the region free or one that will play region two which i think you can get um, quite easily but yeah you have to be careful on that but um but yeah yeah the tag classics were, were fantastic and one of my first roles when i first started there one of my first jobs was to design the release schedule for tag classics because when i took over the job some of them were in a kind of weird order so i think they put like in your house 13 and 16 together and and you know people would always ask like why did you put in your house 13 and 16 together i think it was just because um we weren't sure when wwe would just email one day and say you've got to stop selling these right but then, so we were like trying to get all the best shows out really quickly but we've realized a couple of years down the line they're not they're not going to actually they're not saying anything so we decided right let's do this all chronologically and and it was nice actually that it all set up nicely that every pay-per-view had a partner and it was all chronological and yeah it was um it was great to work on them really was when you look at like doing the schedule and stuff, like as a fan, you're like, "Oh, this is great! I, I can't, yeah, I can't wait to put this together." Like, are yeah, you yeah. thinking like that? Uh, like, because I would imagine most people at work they were fans. No, no, not at all. No, really? Wow. No, okay. No, no. 
No, it's very rare to be a fan that worked there. Yeah. Um, wow. Me and one other guy, I think, were fans. And I would say maybe there's 20 other staff members there. Not one was a fan. Oh, is it hard for them to sometimes like stomach that stuff or watch it because they're yeah. not really interested in it? Yeah, there were some comments that never watched wrestling before, and they're like, "What?" Like you know, just <laughs> they'd make comments like, "Oh, this is like a bit homoerotic." They're rolling around the floor, topless, and you're like, "Oh, you just don't get it." Like, um, but yeah, with only like one or two of us that were fans, and that was really key because we would spot issues and errors and and make sure that the quality was good enough for the, the fan that was going to get the product. When you look back at like, you know, just working there and what's the experience like as far as not, not fan wise, but like as the employee, it's like, wow, this is so cool. I'm, I'm working here. I'm putting stuff together that I never thought I'd be able to put together. But also I, you know, I love the business. I love wrestling. I mean, it's gotta be yeah. a really cool experience. <clears throat> really cool. I mean, when you walked into the silver vision office in London, there would be standees, like, you know, the original six foot tall standee. Oh yeah. Yeah, these cardboard cutouts i remember there'd be like diesel and trish stratus and the rock and austin they'll be all lined up all across both the floors um there'd be plaques on the walls it'd be all the pay-per-view posters we would get sent them every every month and they'd be lined up across the wall across all the offices they're so going back years it'd be honestly it'd be, it's, it was like working for wwe in the uk that's as close as you'd ever get to working for them um but yeah, the, the experience was as a fan was 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 unbelievable, um, and I knew I'd never have another job like that. Like every day is like, wow, this is just this is never going to be the same again. And it's funny because we did a lot of DVDs, especially for different European markets. So we would do like at one point WWE was huge in Italy, and we would put together these like superstar DVDs, like an hour and a half, and to be like the best of Booker T or the best of Kane, the best of the Big Show. And my job would literally be pick five or six matches from their career uh, for the DVD. So they would, and then I would send it to WWE and say, these are the five matches I've picked. And they would like nine times out of 10, they'd be like, yep, that's fine. Do it. And I'm like, wow. Like I am directly impacting these products by just the knowledge that I have of their careers. And at that point, these guys never had, some of these guys never had a DVD on them. Like there was never a DVD on Booker T or Kane or the Big Show at that time, and then I remember we did like the best of Raw, and I think um, there was never any footage on DVD of Raw SmackDown. That was like never the case, and I remember thinking the first ever DVD that had the Brock Lesnar Big Show ring collapse, that was one that Silvervision did that I put on a on a match list, and then there was like the Shelton and Shawn Michaels Raw match that was never on a DVD, and we put it on one of ours. Um, but what was funny was like I would put together these match lists, be really proud of them. I'd, I'd have a look on a forum, and everyone's like, "Oh, what the hell is this? Like, who put this together? This guy knows <laughs> nothing about wrestling. Like, why didn't he put this match, this match, this match?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Because there'd be things like you couldn't do, like no Chris Benoit, uh, no Brock Lesnar, which is funny in hindsight. But there was a yes. time, yes. Like, you know 2004 onwards that he was a no-go never no blood you know all these different rules that you unless you were in the in the industry you knew you couldn't do um but yeah i think i'm pretty proud of those little dvds that we did and um those exclusives it was cool yeah it's awesome because here we didn't get a lot of that stuff and it's like holy shit they're getting this great stuff over in the uk rare stuff and different <laughs> matches and cool matches and we you know we're getting g generic you know kind of sets getting put out so you guys and you're directly responsible for putting out a lot of the cool content yeah i mean we got the approval everything had to go through wwe but um yeah i thought we had the best we had the best output of we had a, a better output than the us but then again on the on the flip side the us did get releases we didn't get so like there was a superstar billy graham dvd that never got released in the uk um there was also like the legends of wrestling set that went out a few years ago as well that we never did um so yeah there was the one there were some in the us and also there was a lot more censorship in the uk so uh, i think there was a um in one of the rick flair dvds i think the ultimate collection there's the ball rope there's a ball rope match where uh there's choking on the neck and the the the, the british censors absolutely hate choking with ropes on necks and any sort of kind of anything 
thing to do with that kind of element of suicidal nature in, in wrestling they will not even let it be released they won't put an 18 or a r rated on it they just won't even release it wow so so they would say to us you need to cut this out or you're not allowed to release it in this market so that's what happened in superstar billy graham is that we wanted to release it but because we had to make so many cuts because so many of his matches had this sort of hanging nature in them we didn't we thought it wasn't worth releasing so we never released that um i do have the us copy of it <laughs> so i should dig that out somewhere it's probably worth a couple of quid yeah uh, oh yeah definitely uh, and yeah and then there was like and it also happened in i think it was no mercy 2007 randy orton and triple h did like a three stages match throughout the night or something and then there was another hanging scene there so uh we had to cut that out uh and then we got it re the the, uh, the wwe cut it for us sent it back we put it on dvd and i was like oh my god we're gonna get so many complaints that you've cut this whole sequence of a match out on a pay-per-view how dare you not one person noticed it no one wow no one complained so the UK version of No Mercy 2007 is not as good as the US one if you want the complete match from those guys. There's a, there's a real cut in the middle of the match when they start using the rope. And if you're really smart, you will notice it. But the network version will be the full version. See, I hate not getting full versions or full matches. Just put, I always say, like, put a warning. I guess it's different. You guys can't do it. Just put a warning, like, yeah, yeah, you're going to see something you don't want to see, fast forward or whatever. But I guess you technically can't do that, right? They just take one off of it and you can't even put it on yeah it's it's like regulations so we wouldn't yeah we would we would be fine it would be fined in the uk if you put something out that wasn't hadn't gone through that an examiner like studying it to make sure i mean they had no clue the, the the bbfc they didn't have a clue about what wrestling was we originally we when it was released in the late 80s we used to put an exempt on it a big e um and uh we wouldn't have to pay the fees but then they, they caught on to that quite quickly and thought well hold on a minute it's quite violent it's targeted to children we should be looking at this and then yeah we had to we had to we weren't even allowed to use blood on the covers of the dvds either so you guys in the us would i think it was like ecw's most bloodiest matches or something like this came out one time um yeah we weren't allowed to use their cover we had to change because it had a dripping blood effect down the front yep. of the cover uh, we had to change that uh, in the in in Germany, we weren't Germany. We were never allowed to use elimination chamber. That word was banned in Germany, due to you know historical uh, reasons. So that that show and that event was called Iron Will. <laughs> so oh wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, stuff like that uh, that we had to deal with in the European market, which was the differences between the US and the UK, and and you know those other things. There was a SummerSlam anthology set that came out as well got a brightly colored box um in the us the actual inside of the box were all like cd size slip cases which we thought were quite cheap so we did full size deep full size dvd um box sets of that anthology instead so they're quite there's differences and nuances between the us releases and uk releases and real collectors if you have either the us or the uk you'll you'll be able to see the difference and we also had sometimes exclusive um, artwork. So all the, so I was told that everything went to Vince McMahon for approval, any artwork. So really? would, wow. yeah, he actually would sign off everything. Um, so to try and differentiate products, you know, we would always have to use a US artwork for uh, pay-per-views, but for special collection sets, you know, on the likes of Rey Mysterio or, or Edge, you know, the three disc sets, that kind of thing um we were able to request a special packaging so we'd get our designers to do a special packaging and we would number them like one of five thousand and we would you know fingers crossed we'd get that approved sometimes we wouldn't sometimes we would um, but yeah there's some special edition stuff out there that's exclusive to the uk market as well i mean i have for wrestlemania 20 i have a numbered out of i think it's at five thousand the number two so um yeah that's pretty like awesome yeah, that's like my number one thing. I mean, if if I ever struggle to start paying the bills, I'm sticking that on eBay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'll get a pretty penny. Man, the, the prices jumped. Uh, I know you were mentioning a little before, but the prices of some of that stuff, the tag classics, I mean, it really jumped. Oh, yeah, big time. And and especially like the the, the, uh, the Mattel action figures as well. Yep. They're incredibly popular. Insane. Insane, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's, there was people – you know, when I came on Twitter and, and said, you know, I, I used to work for Silver Vision, people were asking me, like, what about the Silver Vision, like, um, sorry, not Mattel, Hasbro. 
I mean, Hasbro, yeah, the Hasbro, yeah. Hasbro, yeah. Sorry, yeah. My, my bad. So the Hasbro's, they're huge. And people like ask me, like, the Silver Vision Hasbro's, like, what were these? What were these? Like, so many questions about these Silver Vision Hasbro's that are like unbelievably collector's editions. I think it's like Matt Cardona collects them and he's looking for that like, Silver Vision Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, right, it's right. Um, but yeah. It's funny, he found some like uh, rhythm and blues, Greg Valentine, that's worth a couple thousand. Did you have any of the Silver Vision Hasbros? No, I didn't. And we we dug around in the warehouse when when before I left, we had a look around of what what you know what what was around and I found like a pair of original Bret Hart sunglasses that hadn't been opened. Wow. I found like a Hulk Hogan ninety one bandana that I recently rediscovered. Yeah, and, saw that, yeah. Yeah, and I found um yeah, we were looking for these Silver Vision Hasbro's, uh, which we couldn't find. But uh, yeah, there's I think there's there's only it's the Hulk Hogan, like the original Hulk Hogan one, which I think there's there's not that many out there. It, you know, there's only I think ten thousand. So wow, how did ever, people like get them originally? Did it come with the VHS tape? Yeah, so I think it was um, I think it was in Saturday Night's main event VHS. So there was like a promotion um you know hasbro were were starting to try and draw up interest in their business of action figure lines so they just gifted silver vision five thousand of these pre-packed figures they're in these like clear plastic bags um and it was like the very very first figure it's like hulk hogan season one hasbro it's like the very first figure uh and um so they just gifted it and then you know we did sold five thousand of those and then we got another five thousand um of, of the hogan season two um but then you know hasbro were like well hold on you have to stop paying for this and then that kind of thing came to, came to an end then but yep um but the, 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 these figures now because they were they're quite the, the silver vision hulk hogan is slightly different to the one that was mass produced i think what they gave it's the the, the hogan that we had um the two hogans really that are different is that the the coloring on the yellow is different it's more neon it's almost like it was like a, a first run factory run like practice run and the yellow is not quite right so they just right. gave them to us and now the irony is that the ones that they thought were like the faulty ones that were too yellow they're the ones that are worth like thousands of them. <laughs> yes you know and everyone's got that original hogan like but yeah, yeah. very very rare that people have that that neon yellow you know, I put something on Twitter about it, um, and people were just wild to know about who's got it. Like, how can I get it? Like, where is it? Like, I couldn't believe it. I wish I knew back then that this was such a big deal. I could have uh, made a pretty penny. Funny, I got like three Hogan's. You know, they're like they're not worth that much, although they're worth a decent amount. Like for what they should be worth, they're worth pretty yeah. good, but nowhere near the Silver Vision has brought me. Yeah, Jeez. people were thousands upon thousands upon thousands for that thing. Yeah. It's crazy. I think, I, think, I think it's that is it the Kamala which has like the the moon belly is like the number one that everyone wants or something like that. Yeah, it's not quite. And then much. there's then there's um I think Zach Ryder might have them or Matt Cardona the prototypes. They mm. actually released the prototype, which which you know it's it's like the the mold of what the figure would become. Those were like astronomical of what they were worth. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I thought you meant John Cena for a minute, but oh no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not that prototype. Yeah, yeah, different different uh, prototype. So, is there some Silver Visions that were like unreleased that were supposed to come out? Like that, you know, like this, for instance, let's say like oh, there was this supposed to be, uh, you know. I don't know, Steve Regal or William Regal. Yeah. Like, was there any like unreleased that that didn't happen? Yeah, there were a few. Um, so we would get the release schedule from from WWE, um, uh, you know, on a on a quarterly basis, and um, which would list the pay per views which we knew were coming down the line. Um, what was interesting is that people may not know, but there was one year. I'm not sure what year it was. I would say it's probably 07 or, or 08. They actually dropped Survivor Series. They they, they killed it. It was gone. Um, they decided that it wasn't. It was the, the lowest grossing of the top four pay per views, and right. they took it, they took it out of all internal schedules. So you know we weren't allowed to tell anyone outside of this. But then, then it was then it was back on. So like you know they literally were going to drop that whole series. Um, but yeah, the, the the superstar, you know those three disc superstar profile DVDs, they were huge, um, and some that were that came on and came out the iron sheik had a three disc that was ready to come out they were producing wow. one 
Yeah, that was one that um, never they never actually produced, but they were planning to do. Um, they were also doing one on Jimmy Snooker. That was like a three disc set as well. Um, this is like the mid two thousands kind of time. Um, there was also a Goldberg DVD, and this was before that he'd had any relationship through THQ or Two K or anything like that. This was like pre any of that stuff. So he had one that never came out. I don't know what happened. It came on, it came out. Um, someone asked me if there was ever a Macho Man DVD or VHS that was supposed to come out, but it was never. I never seen it on any schedule. Um, I mean, the tributes to the troops DVDs are always on our schedule, but we decided not to release them because it didn't really mean anything in Europe. Like it didn't, right. didn't really resonate. Um, we we did a lot of DVDs around the UK tours, so like live in the UK, the Raw and the SmackDown and, and that kind of stuff. And we wanted to do like a 25 year anniversary of that, so we'd go through all the best matches that ever were in Europe, like going back to like UK Rampage and all the way through that kind of stuff. Um, um that got rejected uh they didn't think it was worth doing um we also um we also pitched an interactive dvd quiz dvd i don't know if these were big in the states but do you know like when who wants to be a millionaire was really big oh yeah they would bring out these quiz versions on on dvd so you would just play who wants to be who wants to be a millionaire on dvd so we pitched a wwe interactive quiz so it'd be something like Here's a clip of Batista climbing over a steel cage. The footage would pause, and then you'd have four options on the screen. Like, what happens next? You know, uh, Undertaker pulls him off the side. He he falls off this side. He falls off that. We thought that'd be a cool kind of Christmas gift stuff, but that didn't really happen. Um, but yeah, they're the ones off my head. They're the ones that were supposed to come out. The, the other thing to mention as well is like the tag classics uh, never actually finished its run um because the contract obviously came to an end at the end of 2012 so there were 10 more tag classics that we had ready to go which never actually came out sadly so and they never will now because those master tapes have all gone back to wwe and they're pretty locked away and never to be seen again so that's a bit of a shame that those never came out but um i think we were going to do one some of the best of raws and 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 the original bret hart vhs's are going to be on tag classics um and uh, I think the Hulk still rules double disc is also going to be on Tag Classic as well. So there's quite a few that were supposed to come out. Um, maybe I'll put the list on Twitter if people want to have a look to see what they could oh, have yeah. done. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had catalog numbers for them. We had the artwork finished and the masters ready. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, like some of them weren't in great shape because we we really wanted to re-release the 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 British Bulldog and the British Bulldogs. On, on tag classic but um they just they just said the, the mask tape just wasn't good enough i remember it wasn't good enough and then was i think it was uh, this tuesday in texas uh, from 92 um i think it was on super tape 92 was the name of the release um and i think a year in review 92 those those tapes were just not good enough quality to to put out on onto dvd there would have been way too many complaints it just wasn't wasn't watchable, sadly. So we couldn't get everything out that we wanted. But did a pre pretty decent job getting that, getting through that catalog. Yeah, definitely. Plus, it's pretty cool. Like randomly, UK Rampage ninety one, ninety two, ninety three. I mean, those are cool. UK fan favorites. I mean, there's a bunch of other mm -hmm. ones you guys were able to. Do. Pretty cool that that yeah. you know us in the states were like, oh, you know, you you just like, whoa, Rampage. Oh, cool. Like, just yeah. different uh, tours and shows that you guys would put out in different matches. Yeah. Always thought it was cool. Yeah, but you guys must have had some Coliseum Video exclusive stuff too, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, was there ever any synergy between Coliseum and Silver Vision? Like, any, any sort of connection or partnership? Um, not really. I think um, the Coliseum Video they did hold the worldwide rights to home video for WWE. So the Silver Vision were kind of like originally like a sub-license to them. But I think that eventually fell away. Coliseum Video just stopped being a thing. I'm not sure when they dropped off, but it was like, I don't know, like 97, 98. Just stopped seeing the name on the front and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they just disappeared completely. Like even if you look up stuff now, what happened to Coliseum Video and what else did Coliseum Video put out? That, I didn't see them could put out anything else apart from WWF. So I don't like, remember anything else now. Yeah. So there's, there's there's like conspiracy theories that Coliseum Video were just WWF, but under another name for whatever reason. I'm not going to you know 
no conspiracy theory there or anything, but there's some people think that they were just WWF and they just changed the name for whatever reason. But as far as, you know, as far as I heard that they actually, yeah, they were a separate entity throughout that time. And then WWF home video was created and they brought it in house. I think WWF tried to buy Silver Vision at one point as well, um, but um, decided that they didn't have enough knowledge of the European market and thought, well, you know, let's not break something that, you know, doesn't need to be, tampered with it's working very well and we'll, we'll keep let them carry on doing it themselves <laughs> so nwo revolution that's the last ever silver vision release yeah i think you're right that's good good uh, good knowledge i think that's correct yeah um um when you say silver vision release what on tag classics yeah wasn't yeah. Or, i think right that's yeah. the last one that's, yeah that, that, that sounds about right i mean it was it was originally released i think just around the name change um, in 2002, and then it was re-released on the um, on the Tag Classic brand right at the end. Um, it could have been um, was it partnered up with a Razor Ramon and a Diesel, like a two two disco something like that. I don't remember. You guys, over, yeah, obviously, you guys yeah. doing those Tag Classics. Yeah, I might have been. I'm not sure. Mm, I think so, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, is a good run lots and lots of really really i mean some of our popular titles like i don't know if it resonated in the us as much but the when the undertaker tombstone dvd came out that was incredible seller incredible um the raw 50th anniversary also i remember being hugely popular um every wrestlemania that bret hart's first ever dvd when he made amends that yep. was huge that actually came out the week i started um, at Silver Vision, and my first ever job was to cut a uh, the best of Bret Hart. I was like, seriously, this is my job. I'm cutting up footage from the best of his career. Oh my god, he's like one of my favorite ever wrestlers. And, right. and then I got to meet I got to meet him that night as well, which is just insane. And like, because what used to happen is that the when the wrestlers would would release these superstar profiles, they'd come over and do autograph sessions in back before when. So now you have to pay to get anything signed. Back then, you didn't have to pay. That's the key difference. Like back then, they would say, like HMV, which is like the equivalent of like Walmart or something like that. They would say, like, you know, Bret Hart is doing an autograph session next Thursday at seven o'clock for his new DVD. Um, click here to register to try and get a wristband to get in. And they would give, say, 100 fans wristbands. You would queue up, you would, and then you would get your DVD, like personally signed by the star. We did loads of them um, Bret Hart, Austin, CM Punk every time um a big release came out they would come over and do a um, an autograph session which was really cool when we get to work in for the for Silvision, we'd get to meet them we'd be behind a barrier we'd be chatting to them so it was really cool that is awesome wow pretty cool like to be able to work there and like oh by the way i made this you know what i mean like yeah i made this for you i picked the matches i select you know it's pretty awesome <laughs> yeah it's like i, I remember taking Bret Hart. Like, like oh you see the clips playing of your career above you like oh i cut that together today and he's like oh oh great and i'm just like I just made a fool out of myself. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to get praise from a guy who actually did all that, and all I did yeah. was bits. And like, I remember like Stone Cold saying to me, like, "Oh, you know, thank you for all that you do, and you do a great job." And I'm like, "Is this serious? Is this for real?" Like, Steve Austin is praising me for like, a job I just sit in my office, like creating DVDs. Yeah, cool as hell. But hey, you're preserving history, you're preserving their history and their legacy when you're doing that yeah yeah no, definitely um but yeah not all not all the releases were like hugely successful i mean the, some of them didn't do so well do, do you remember the steel books that they put out steel books yes version? yep i had a couple of those yeah yeah, yeah they, they didn't sell I, you know I, I thought they would do much better because they're kind of collectibles and um and that kind of thing they're a little bit higher price but they're, they're really cool i thought um but yeah didn't didn't sell well um, stuff on like the AWA and uh, didn't sell, just just weren't big enough in in this ter in this market. I don't think probably would have done better in the US, I suppose. Um, well, did class ECW sell anything? ECW did pretty well. Yeah, they got they. I think when they did the one night stand um, pay per views, people started really getting into it. Um, that sold pretty well. So remember over here the documentary the first documentary that was yeah. a really good seller over here yeah yeah i remember hearing about that yes yeah, it wasn't as big here but um it wasn't on tv here that was a, that was the key thing it wasn't until like the last year or so it was in business that it was on tv here so we're late to that 
Um, but World Class Championship Wrestling, that was another DVD that came out and didn't do so well here. Um, and then there was other type they did like the history of the intercontinental title and didn't do so well greatest families of wrestling some of that stuff just didn't didn't do so well but you know on the flip side we just did fantastic you know we'd sell you know fifteen thousand copies of the wrestlemania for example like and it would be in every every store every grocery store uh it'd be huge yeah i feel like that's like the bread and butter anywhere everybody knows WWE wrestlemania you know, and it just, just like everybody, you have to have every year. You know what I mean? Every year, you got to go back and get and collect it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and it was, yeah, it was quite, it was quite an undertaking. Some of these releases because the U.S. guys releasing it had it easy compared to, you know, if, if you if you put a booklet in or inside the DVD, that has to be translated into Italian, into Spanish, into German. Like this, all this takes time. And that's why the, the DVDs came out much later in Europe. And people are like, oh my God, it came out in the US like in like April, WrestleMania, and we have to wait till July. It's like, yeah, because we have to translate everything. Um, and then sometimes we would get uh, the Photoshop files, the original Photoshop files of the images that were going into the DVD. Uh, and they would be, it'd be quite funny. It would be pre-touch up. <laughs> So some, you know, like remove, you know, suck in Jim Duggan's belly, and there were all these like things on the side that we have to yeah. do, take <laughs> off the spots of Randy Orton's back, like, or um, you know, I'm just saying as examples. I'm not saying it actually was happening, or right. you know, reduce the size of Eddie Guerrero's chin, or 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 the divas. That was particularly like very very careful of making sure they look perfect and pristine in every single picture. There was all these like rules and regulations that we can and couldn't put out, which was all, all internal, but very interesting. When you look at Silver Vision and the end, I guess it was around 2012, why did it end? Like it's just the DVDs and, and like, you know, everyone was going towards streaming or like what was the end of Silver Vision like? Um, so <laughs> it was, a, you know, I think it was twofold. It was one that um, there was actually a fire in the warehouse um, which was like quite famous at the time where there was like a, a, a lot of arson going on um, in, in, in London at, in one night. And one of the things that they burned down was actually the warehouse that actually held all the, the finished um, uh, DVDs of Silver Vision. Wow. So, um, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't fun. Um, I think that was in like November 2011 and a lot of stock was was lost and the insurers Instead of, you know, if the DVD was like 14 pounds, the insurers would pay out like the cost of the disc. So like, you know, oh maybe that's God. two, three pounds. So it's like, wow, that's like, you know, six, seven figures worth of damage there. And, you know, not paid out. And yeah, because well, the content on the discs are worth a ton. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that was one issue. And then the second issue was that the contract for European DVD rights was up at, at the end of 2012 and every time there would be like you know this would go out to there'd be contract chats going on for for, for many months um at the time the WWE had just brought in a whole new load of staff they were looking to make changes they want to make a stamp on the European market and um yeah it just negotiations didn't go so well and um I think we went across to Fremantle who are you know a much bigger company than Silvervision. Silvervision was a family-run business. Like the guy who ran Silvervision, like his wife was there, his son was there. Like it was it was a very close-knit family. And when working for them, you felt like you were part of that. Um, Fremantle was a huge multinational company with like with all sorts of licensees across the world. And I think they were a little bit sexier to to WWE. Um, so yeah, the deal was done with them in 2012 and um yeah they had to start from scratch they had no tag classics they had no special edition versions or anything like that they would just started churning out the 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 spec the, the us releases and and uh, you know a, a couple of years later the network launched yep. took a lot of people by surprise took sky who were doing the tv at the time by surprise took Fremantle by surprise and you know it, it just dropped the, the dvd market dropped very very quickly after that so maybe it was a natural end and it, it ended at, at the right time funny like vhs is huge then dvds now streaming it's like 
you know, like what yeah. could be next? I mean, yeah, I don't think there's anything else for it to go, but funny to think like the physical copies, they were a little too chunky. Then we get the other physical copy. They're, um, you know, perfect, uh, like size, but they're still taking a physical space and then you don't need to take up space. You got the network, you know? So it's funny yeah. to think like where it started, where we are now. Yeah. And it is, it is interesting. It's like with vinyl where it's gone all the way back now where people actually want the original vinyls. Some part of me thinks with, with all the with WWE selling the network to to NBC Universal and, and, and Peacock, you know they they have they've been cutting old pay per views and Raws right left and center. There's like a yeah. cuts list online that I've seen. They've changed so many segments and and really his history. When you look at history, if you want the the defined look of what happened on pay per views in history, it's probably the Silver Vision releases that you go to straight away. Yep. You wouldn't go to what's on Peacock because they could be changing things all the time through Peacock. There's so no Piper in Bad News Brown on WrestleMania six. Because okay, Piper does the half blackface or whatever. So I mean they they just completely take stuff out. Yeah, yeah they'll take out Benoit matches. I mean, they'll take stuff completely out. Yeah. So that that's it. Like that you want that the mark that the Silver Vision Masters are what arrived out the door the day after the pay-per-view. They created that master immediately and shipped it to the UK. So that the Silver Vision versions, if you want to look at the the, the closest to the exact version that went out at the time that's where you'd go to crazy wb like their warehouse you mentioned being burnt down they have a fireproof yeah uh, warehouse for the tapes I, I don't know if you've ever seen that before i mean that's amazing that the fireproof mm -hmm. stuff yeah i've heard about that isn't it it's, it's, it's i think they've got one or two of them and i think they've got a backup one as well or something like that yes yep one in new york and i think one in connecticut yeah i've heard about that and they're basically saying, like, insurance-wise, like, WB people, like, the archive, the archivist and, um, like, Vince would probably say, it's priceless. So, if, like, it burned or got destroyed, like, can't let it happen. So, what are you going to do? They created some fireproof um, building, which is nuts. Like, two different warehouses to, to house this stuff because they're literally saying, we do not want to lose this stuff. This stuff is priceless. Yeah. And imagine all the stuff they have footage-wise that have never been seen. You know, stuff where people are getting coached on promos and backstage stuff, like all of that stuff's gold. Crazy. And I was looking on YouTube randomly for like some Hulk Hogan matches. I love seeing like what's out there, what's not out there. And it's not nowhere to be found. This match supposedly never happened, but it's on YouTube. There's no announcing. Hogan and Savage in 1992 reformed the mm -hmm. Mega Powers against Jake the Snake Roberts and Berserker. I'm looking everywhere. There's no thing of it and i looked it was on a macho man unreleased set so somebody found a bunch of macho man house ma matches in, in the warehouse and basically like let's put it on an unreleased quote-unquote set and they started to do a little bit of unreleased but i mean they touched like a half an inch of, of millions of, mm. of miles of, of unreleased footage that they have i was just amazed by this like wow the mega powers in 92 it came back for Jake the Snake and the Berserker at a house show. It was like, it was so weird, but awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, when you find these hidden gems, it's always like, a, I think there's there's a famous one, Bret Hart and Tom McGee, I think it is. Yes. Like development guy who Bret made look like a million dollars, but he was completely like clueless or something, wasn't he? So they have it now on the network. They were able to get it. It was through Bret Hart's secretary's secretary, something like that. Yes. Uh, she, um, I forget her name now. I don't. Oh, oh, Mary Kate. So she had the footage. I guess she sold the WB or whatever, or maybe gave it to Brett and he gave it to them. But the thing was, didn't have the entrances. So Arabic TV had the full entrances and everything. Oh, cool. If you, I think Richard Land, who's a great historian, he has it on um, on Twitter or on YouTube. I think he put it up. But the WB version, because they interview Brett, it's on the network. They interview Tom McGee and they show the match. They only have boom when the bell rings to when the bell rings. This other version, the Arabic version, oh. has the whole thing. Right, I must check that out. That's that was dropped recently, wasn't it? Somewhat recently, as far as um, Richard just put a, the Arabic version out on Twitter. The WB version, I think, was either last year or the year before. Whenever uh, Conrad was going to bring in Tom McGee, and they were going to watch the tape, WB somehow got a version and like oh, yeah. quickly got it out yeah. there before Conrad could have his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical, enough. typical. Yeah. I don't know what the first ever Coliseum video release was in the US, but the first one in the UK was uh, Real American Hulk Hogan. That was the first one that dropped here. What, nice. what was it in the US? 
I don't remember. It might have been a Hogan tape, but I don't remember. Or maybe it was Best of WBF Volume One. I'm gonna have to look that up. I don't. I don't know offhand. I'm not sure. But I do have Real American. It's somewhere behind me. Uh, the Coliseum. I went out uh, a few years ago. I got. I tried to get all the original Coliseums that I had, that I sold, and I wanted them back, which is oh god, which is crazy because I bought it back for way more than I sold it for, which is yeah. just stupid. But you know, it's a huge fan, so I wanted to have all all this cool old school stuff. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, cool. So as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish here. What's the favorite release? What's your absolute favorite? Oof, great question. My favorite release. Um, mm, I, just, I mean, VHS era. I really liked the 1992 year in review tape they did. I think it was like Sean Mooney. And it was just going through all the, the main matches and then really great chats in between and sequences in between, like the VHS era. I would say that would that one was probably my favorite. Um, and, and probably um, DVD-wise, uh, I would say something like WrestleMania 2000 when it was the first time they it was new to DVD and they had like two discs. And there was on the second disc, there was loads of like classic moments of WrestleMania, just loads of stuff I'd never seen in that quality before. It just blew my mind. Um, but they, obviously they've done loads of great three-disc DVD sets, but I just can't think off the top of my head what my favorite one is. I love the Brett one, obviously. Um, but how about yourself? What's your, your, your favorite? I'll, I'll go with Year in Review 92. <laughs> I love the old Hulkamania tapes. There's a couple of them. I love like Hulkamania 6, Hulkamania 5. There's just, I don't know, if I'm a huge Hulkamania, but it's something about like when they just throw random matches or have like random announcers like Lord Alfred Hayes is yeah. calling a Hogan match. I don't know, for some reason it's just uh, awesome to me. By the way, uh, Best, Best of WBF Volume 1 was number three on the catalog number. Number two is Hulkamania. The first ever Coliseum is Bloopers, Bleeps, and Body Slams. So. <laughs> So and I was thinking, pretty- I was thinking of best of. I was thinking Hulkamania. I didn't think of best of uh, the bloopers, bleeps, and bodies. Crazy mm-hmm. that that's the first one. But I love all the the Hulkamania tapes. Like I said, I went back and I bought, uh, I rebought all the old Coliseums. I love that, and I do love. I bought the big event. I love that one, and I actually have WrestleMania one, co- the original Coliseum signed by Hulk. So wow, that's that's an awesome one. Yeah, that's great. Keep keep that carefully in plastic and yeah. away from any animals or anything like. Yes, no. Nope. Nobody's allowed to touch it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. That's so, who's amazing. the all-time favorite wrestler? Is it Bret Hart? Uh, I'll actually say it says David Boy Smith. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, I'm obviously biased, and you know they were pushing him here as a hero for so many years. You can't not, you know, from yeah all the way through um, '97. You know, one night only. The guy was on fire. Uh, yeah, I just had a. Just, just loved the guy. I thought he was a great wrestler and underrated, really. When he when he turned it on, he was up there. You know, it's kind unbelievable. Of, it's, it's you know, it's Brett talks a lot about how he carried Davy in SummerSlam '92, which may well be the case. And if you watch the match, yeah, there are areas of the match where you're like, he's 100 in charge of this match. But Davy Boy is not here to tell his side of the story. So people are taking it as gospel. But you know, it takes two to tango, and then they had a fantastic match at In Your House Five as well, where they were both on it so yeah i think yeah davy was my favorite closely followed by owen hart um when 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 owen passed away he was definitely my favorite because he was still with the wwf at the time davy had moved on to wcw and stuff so um yeah bulldog and owen and brett that that's my that's my era that heart foundation time that's with my peak and that's where i was like emotionally invested in, awesome. in the product yeah love it so what's next for you i know obviously silver vision is his 10 years in the rear view yeah. what's next besides uh, clash of the castle anything else wrestling related wise uh yeah clash of the castle going to that um in cardiff in september um just waiting for aew to come to the uk waiting with bated breath here we're, we're desperate for, for them to come over i think they're finally coming up to canada so i hope next next step is the uk like tony khan does own fulham which is a football soccer team here in, in the uk so we're hoping they would use the there's a stadium there called craven cottage so we're thinking it's going to be like clash at the cottage or something like that yeah <laughs> but yeah it'd be great to see that product here um and yeah i'm just i've just sort of set up a twitter page in the last year or so so i'm just like digging around old stuff that i found in the silver vision warehouse 
posting stuff now and then. To, and hey, I saw that Hulk Hogan bandana. There you go. That's exactly, why. I, yeah. That's why I was like, "Holy shit, Silver Vision! What the hell's going on here?" Yeah. Yeah. So you'd obviously heard of them before from the Tag Classics and stuff, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. It's funny because I, I mean, we're talking many, many years ago, but I used to go on eBay and used to always try to see what like tag classes were, were tag classics were up there so I can buy them. And I was like, oh, it's so expensive. Oh my god, like it was it was just too much. But I would always check and see like, oh. I, you know, let's see what Coliseum's like. Yeah, like so, I was always kind of tape hunting and and tag classic kind yeah. of, but I never bought them. But I was always wanted to, always jealous of the, some of the stuff you guys had. <laughs> well, that's great, great to know. Yeah, it was good. We kind of knew it as well. We knew we were lucky to get this stuff. We did know that. So, um, yeah, for those guys out there that have every single tag classics in shrink wrap, I'm jealous. Like, because I worked there, and even I was too tight, even with the staff discount to buy them. So I think uh, in in my one regret is not taking a copy of everything when yeah. I work there. What I've got is I've got all the production discs. So I don't have the beautiful um, sleeve artwork, front cover. I've got all the production discs, which are like me with a felt tip pen saying like Hulk Hogan version two or version three with the date written in a pen on it and stuff like that. But I mean, maybe this that kind of stuff will end up being quite um quite sought after maybe the people out there would want to see this um, behind the scenes stuff so um i need to carry on doing my digging i'm going through all my magazines at the moment i've got like nearly every wwe magazine from like 2000 to like 2008 so um i'm going through that i'm finding old stuff like sunglasses and bandanas and and games and stuff so uh, stuff i'll find I'll, I'll post on on twitter so yeah um i would just say yeah follow me on there and um and yeah you can find some gems what's the uh, twitter address it's it's the main event zero zero so you can find me there i'm james silvervision and um yeah it's just join it's usually a bit of fun just finding old old stuff old merch and um yeah it's been great to to be on here and great to, to chat with you john yeah, awesome to chat with you. Love talking Silver Vision. Love talking some old school wrestling. Pretty awesome. You got to you know work there and again, to look forward to the uh, Twitter again because you got some behind the scenes stuff that I'm going to be interested in. People love even if it's just the the disc, but you have the original version. People love that stuff. Yeah, I'll try and dig some of that stuff out. There's also a a um a video that was made of 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 the warehouse, which I know a colleague, an old colleague of mine has. So I'm just going to wow. try and dig. I'm going to try and dig that out if we can find that um and yeah just bits and pieces like old i'm gonna try and dig out some old catalogs and bits and pieces so yeah there should be there should be more to come awesome james thank you so much for all the time really appreciate yeah. it no worries great to be on this has been a john pause power trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling you could follow us on instagram and twitter at two-man power trip you could check us out on facebook you could subscribe on youtube you can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>